Swim check one, two. Bike check one, two. Run check one, two. I think we're ready. Let's try this. Welcome to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, a podcast where we explore the sport of triathlon from a variety of perspectives to help beginner triathletes on their journey. I am your host, Nishanda Shines. Well, welcome back to another edition of Try Beginner's Luck. Today is a big deal day. It's a big deal for multiple reasons. And you will find out as you listen, why it's such a big deal. Uh, We're entering into a new level with a new brand. um, And it all involves giving back to sport. What? Okay. I almost spilled the beans because I'm so freaking excited. But It just warms my heart how things happen. I'm not giving it away. I know how to hold. I am a good secret keeper. So I'm not going to unveil the secret until it's time. But what I will do is unveil the guest that I get the pleasure of interviewing today. This young lady is a five-time Ironman finisher, 10-time 70.3 finisher and world champ qualifier. She's even done marathons, including conquering the wall, Great Wall of China, which I'm interested to know about that because I've been to the Great Wall and I have questions. But Lynn has been a triathlete for over 10 years. She has dedicated herself to bringing more women to sport, which I absolutely love. And she started an organization called Fund Her Tri Nonprofit and co-founded Rise and Try Triathlete Mentoring Program. As you can tell, this young lady absolutely loves sport. And I am grateful that I get the opportunity to interview Lynn Maddox and bring her to you. Lynn, welcome to Try Beginner's Luck. How you doing? Uh, I'm so good, Mashonda. You have such a way of making pe- people feel special. I listen to your podcast and I know how you make people feel special. So that was one of the reasons why I agreed to, you know, come on here was because I knew I was waiting for you to make me feel that way. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, and it happened. <laughs> yay. Cause I mean, you are the bomb.com and I didn't even get into like what you do in your career. Like you are in aeronautical science genius oh my gosh <laughs> like um I, I probably couldn't say it right at the time so I was like oh don't say that because you may say it pronounce it incorrectly I was like oh my gosh uh, I'm definitely mm. not a genius I I do work in aviation which is so interesting because when I started fund her try I was wishing that my aviation uh, degree had prepared me in any way for starting a nonprofit organization, which it did not. So um, it was a huge learning curve. Um, so yes, I, I am an air traffic controller. I work in aviation. I have for many years, but um, yeah, that's my, I like, I always say that's what I get, like what I get paid for, but what I do that I love that I don't get paid for is all the triathlon related stuff. So if we can find a way for someone to pay me to do triathlon, I would be okay with that. But I understand that that's a, maybe a stretch right now. 
times two. Like that is just the dream. And and maybe at some point that would happen because anything is and there's opportunities for anything to happen at any given moment in time, right? I'm here for yes. it. Amen. What? This is exciting. It's exciting because you are one of the first people I probably well, yeah, reached out to to have you on the podcast and things just didn't work out. Uh, but I had heard about your organization and was like, man, I want to uh, get to know this young lady. And we've gotten the opportunity to know each other over the past couple of weeks, just on some things that we're working on. And I, I, I want people to know your story, your tri story, because I mean, it, it wouldn't be tri beginners like if we didn't get your story, but then we got to get into some, some of the good things that we get to do. And uh, I'm really excited about that because I think you being a triathlete has uh, paved the way for Fund Her Try. And so we got to get to the base level of what um, triathlon has done for you, because in return, you wanted to give back to sport. And so let's just get right into it. Tell us how you got started in sport. Uh, well, so I'm I'm like an adult onset um, triathlete. Well, everything really. Like I grew up running, but never, you know, I, I didn't run in high school or anything like that. I, I would run with my dad, um, when I was a teenager and, and I was always really active. Like we did a lot of hiking when I was a kid and, um, I didn't watch a lot of TV, so I was really active, but I, I did not play or participate really in any organized sport, as a young person, I think I played one year of volleyball and I spent most of the time sitting on the bench on the, <laughs> on the outside. Um, but when I was basically, when I turned 30, my husband had this idea, there was a local sprint triathlon in our community. And he was like, Hey, we should do this, you know? And, um, because I am a person who likes adventure, I agreed, not really even knowing what I was agreeing to. And, um, you know, pretty quickly realized that it was kind of an undertaking, even, even just a sprint distance was an undertaking. And so, um, you know, I trained a, a, a bit, not, not probably as much as I needed to, but I did train and I, I think I borrowed a bike, but maybe I did buy a, like a cheaper bike. I can't actually remember whether I was riding my own bike or someone else's, but, um, I did it as a relay. So I did the swim and the bike and then a, my best friend, um, did the run. And so like leading up to the race, it was this really, you know, like we trained together and it was a really fun experience leading up to the race. Um, but then on race day, it was like a comedy of errors. So, um, I, when I got to the when I got to the race, the transition, I was very early. So the transition area was almost completely empty. So I racked my bike. And, um, then when I, when I got out of the water, there were like 200 bikes and I had no, no idea where I had racked my bike. So I proceeded to run back and forth in the transition area, uh, looking for the bike that I had racked because I couldn't find it. Um, and on top of that, I, um, I decided that race morning, it would be a good idea to chug, um, a lot of Gatorade because I saw people like, you know, drinking Gatorade and, and everybody seemed to be drinking something. And I was like, I think maybe I need to be drinking something because I wasn't. And so I chugged this Gatorade and I don't ever really drink Gatorade. And so, um, I almost 
like threw up during the swim. Like I had to stop and, and, you know, doggy paddle for a little bit because I was about to throw up the, the red Gatorade that I had chugged prior to the swim. Um, but that was after I actually managed to put my goggles on. So the, probably the best part of the story is that I jumped in the water, um, and still had my goggles like on top of my, on top of my head. So I was so excited and so amped to do this swim that I had been training to do that I actually forgot to put my goggles on. So once I was able to get my goggles on and then managed not to puke in the water and finally found my bike, I was able to complete the swim and the bike. But, um, and my, my girlfriend, you know, she crushed the run and it, and it was a great time. But afterwards, all I could think was how that was so hard and I could do better. You know, I was like mm-hmm. immediately, I think, I think when you interviewed Heather Jackson, she said something similar, like you, after the first one, you were like, okay, that could have been, I could have done so much better, you know? So now I have to go back and do another one because I need to prove that I could do better. So that's kind of, um, that was my first trap on. And then after that, I mean, I was completely hooked. I had, I had seen, um, you know, watched the Ironman world championships on, on TV several times. And, um, I loved, I loved that whole, basically just the idea of really challenging yourself. And so then when I did this triathlon, even though I didn't even do all three, it gave, I immediately was like, oh yes, I get it. Like I get the, what I'm seeing on TV. I felt it in my, in my body, like this feeling Mm. of pushing yourself. And then afterwards being like, I did that, you know? And it was like, like a drug. I immediately was like, this is, this is so fun. I just want to keep doing it. And so fun, but like also terrible, if that makes any sense. (laughs) No, it makes a lot of sense, you know, and it's one of those things that you can't describe the feeling when it's happening. But the moment that you cross a finish line, or if you're just doing it for you, you're getting out there and you set a goal and you just want to finish that distance. There's something that transforms in your body that you want to do it again. And I think so many times that's just the story of this sport. You do it once and you get this feeling and you're like, man, that sucks, but I want more. I want more of it. And um, you find out at some point how just transforming it can be when you start to dissect areas in which you can get better and wanting to explore that. Um, I love it. I, and I'm really loving that you are a runner. I'm trying to become a runner. I, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to become a runner. Um, that is, running is technical. Running is so hard, you know, and it's, I think everybody, everybody who, at least I like to think everybody who's like a a mere mortal, like myself, you know, um, for me, it's swimming. I, I love the water and I grew up playing and and spending a lot of time in the water, but never, ever swimming or being taught how to swim. And so, you know, I think, I think for running or for most people running is similar. Like we think, oh, I know how to run. And like, that's how I am with swimming. Oh, I know how to swim. But then when I started swim training, I was like, oh, apparently I don't know how to swim. (laughs) This is is so much harder than what I thought it was going to be, you know? 
it's a it's a whole different um it's a whole different ball game and I guess that's why you have the areas in which you're good at and that's why there's three opportunities to give us a try because you can figure out which one is going to be good on that day yes absolutely (laughs) that's actually I think what kind of drew me in was that it was like I didn't have to be amazing at any of these things but I could be like okay at them and put them together and then I looked like a rock star even though maybe I wasn't a a rock star swimmer or whatever but it it felt it felt like that and it's funny to hear you I mean just in this short conversation essentially this is what, this is what happened. I mean, I had the experience of triathlon. I felt so powerful afterwards. And every woman that I talked to that had done triathlon said exactly what you just said. Like it was so transformative for me. And so, you know, that was what led to the next thing, because I was like, i this is, this is incredible. I've never experienced anything in my life where I would have a conversation with a woman and unanimously anyone that had done triathlon was like, this changed me in more than one way and, and gave me a a renewed sense of strength. I, I think that for most of us, you know, and, and not that triathlon doesn't do amazing things for, um, for any gender, but I specifically, you know, relate to women. And so that's kind of where I focus, but, um, I really feel like for women, we, we don't think that we're not strong, but we forget the feeling of, of feeling powerful and feeling strong and being reminded that we can do all the hard things and, and, and conquer the challenges. I think we know it's in there, but, but triathlon gives you the opportunity to, to feel it. Because like you said, when you cross the finish line, it's, it's this amazing feeling that you, that you don't have in your everyday life, you know? Yeah. I don't have anything to add. You know, <laughs> there's moments where I'll be like, man, you should say something so poignant. <laughs> I don't have anything to add at that moment. Cause you just said it all, whatever. And I'm learning to like, not always have a comment. You don't always have to have a comment. Mashonda. Duh. Anyway. So so your husband, you you do this relay and uh, your husband does triathlons as well. So it's good when you are able to, you know, have somebody in the family who you can go out on bike rides together and do those things with, because it, it makes the, the journey better. I I was almost going to say the suffering better, but it makes the journey better when you have someone who you can do it with, because trying is truly better with others, even though it's an individual sport, it's better in community. Yeah, I agree. Tell us about your first race. Like, cause you've already said like your first relay was like your first introduction. You chugged down water cause you saw other people doing it. You, you did all these things, which is hilarious because you know, that's that water log could have been like, dangerous too, to a certain degree. Um, so tell us about your first race because you went on to compete and not just compete, but you've competed at such a high level. And so, yeah, I just want to get this backstory. So after the relay, I had 
I decided to sign up for my first half Ironman. And the plan was to do, there was an Olympic distance, like uh, nearby, you know, an hour away, there was an Olympic distance. And so the plan was, I'm going to sign up for this half Ironman. It was uh, Florida 70.3. And before I do that race, I'm going to do this Olympic distance, you know, as my, my first triathlon on my own. And, you know, one thing led to another life of course happens. And so, um, I actually did not get to do the Olympic distance race. So, um, I, my, my first triathlon on my own was a half Ironman at Florida 70.3. And I was riding, uh, a, a tank basically is like the equivalent what I, my bike was the equivalent to that at the time, because, you know, everybody is riding like super fancy tri bikes. I was riding a, a road bike. Um, and I took so long on the bike course that my husband started like worrying that something was wrong. <laughs> like wow. it did not, it was a slow, it was slow going. Um, but yeah, I signed up for the half Ironman and, um, we, you know, took my husband and my kids to Florida. My mom came, um, um, and it was, it was a, a vacation of sorts. We, we call it, my husband, and I call it a racecation. So we have basically for 10 years, we've been doing racecations and, um, I guess we don't know how to take a real vacation, but, uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> uh, we go on this racecation, you know, to Florida and it was the swim was in a lake. So it was, it wasn't crazy intimidating, you know, not as, not as much so as like an ocean swim. Um, but it was, it was mildly intimidating and, um, but I did okay. I did okay in the swim. Um, and then the bike ride was a, just a lot of, um, a lot of questioning my life choices, I think is probably what the bike ride was because I was like, this is taking so long. I just want to be off this bike so bad, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but eventually made it through the bike and no mechanical issues or anything like that. So that was a blessing. Um, but then once I got to the run, you know, like we said, that's kind of my, my strength. And so at that point it was just like, like relief. I'm out of the water. I'm off my bike. Like now I, now I'm finishing. And so, um, I remember that the run course was loops I can't remember whether it was two loops or three loops, but I can remember that on the first loop, I identified where the photographer was. <laughs> and so on the second loop, I was like, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to look like amazing when I see this photographer. <laughs> so yes, I have my race photos from that first race. I mean, I look like I'm so happy because I knew where that photographer was and I was going to make sure that when I saw him, I had the biggest smile plastered across my face, you know? So, um, yeah, that is, I remember that the first, that of that first race, I thought the two most important things to me were figuring out where the photographer was so that I could look like I was having the time of my life in my race pictures and knowing that there were potato chips at the aid station. Like once I went through the first time and I was like, there are potato chips here. I, 
I don't know about you, but snacks are part of the reason why I continue to do this sport. So knowing that there were potato chips waiting for me, I was like, oh, I got this. Like, <laughs> I, can, I can keep running if someone's going to keep feeding me, you know, Come on, I um, for the snacks. <laughs> yes. And so, yeah, so that that's kind of the story of the first race. It it was not an amazing performance. It was not a terrible performance. It was, it was somewhere in the middle, but it was, um, again, the experience of like, okay, you know, this, this made me feel so good, even though it wasn't, you know, there was nothing amazing about my time or, or anything like that, but I had finished and I just became, I became almost addicted to how could I like get a little bit faster and, and, you know, and how do I train in a way that, um, is efficient? Because at the time I had, my kids were small and I, I worked, I worked full time. And so, um, the balancing, like, how do I, how do I train, but not waste time training, I think was a, a big part of that period of time. So how do I get faster and, and how do I make the most out of my training without, you know, feeling like I'm, wasting time taking, taking away from my kids or not being with my kids or my family, you know? So, um, but I will say that I think that experience, so I didn't start working. I started working with a coach many years later. Um, I would say I was, I had been doing triathlon for like, I think about five years before I, I started working with a coach and then started like actually really, you know, getting a little bit faster, um, but during that period of time, it was kind of, uh, monumental because I really started enjoying training because training was the finish line was an amazing feeling and provided, um, you know, renewed sense of strength, like we talked about, but, but training was an opportunity for me to spend time with my girlfriends, you know, who had, who also had kids and busy lives and things like that. And so training was like, this way to connect with friends, but also, um, kind of connect with myself, I think, because, you know, on the days when I would do long bike rides or long runs by myself, it was, you know, even if I was playing music, which I don't play a lot of music anymore when I train, but even when I was playing music, it was still an opportunity to like get inside my own head. Mm -hmm. And I think I was able to sort through, some stuff that I didn't, you know, know I needed to sort through. And, and I became, um, I became a little better at, at being alone and, um, appreciating what my body could do for me at any given point. Like, even if I wasn't loving the way that it looked or the way that it, you know, felt at times, like it was, it was a, a, a opportunity, an opportunity to appreciate how, strong I was, even if I didn't like look in the mirror and think, oh, you know, I, I look a certain way or whatever. So yeah, that was a big part of it for me. So Ling, you said such a mouthful in everything that you said, and I really got to go back to the point where you say that you couldn't do the Olympic and you literally went from relay to half distance. I want to get to the emotional part of it because physically you could do it, but emotionally, where were you? Because that's a huge jump and racecations aren't a bad thing. 
because it affords you the opportunity to maximize the registration fee of these of these um, very resourceful, rich sports that we get to do. Yeah. So why not maximize it by putting a vacation around it and you can relax and, you know, after all your hard work, I think that's brilliant. But where were you mentally and emotionally going from a relay where you only did a leg to 70.3 miles on your own? Um, well, I think that maybe I just wasn't very smart about the decision. You know, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't really think about, um, what it was going to take to finish. I just thought I, I, I want this feeling. I want this feeling of if, if it felt this good to finish only the swim and the bike of a, of a sprint distance, then imagine how amazing I will feel if I am able to finish a 70.3. Like I, um, I just wanted, I, I wanted that feeling. And I think, I think to be honest, emotionally, I was a little, a little drained from just real life, like, you know, working and taking care of little kids and doing all the things that come with, you know, being a, a member of, of a team, a family, like cooking dinner and cleaning house and appointments and, and all the things I think I was looking for an opportunity to, to bust out of just the, just the grind of real life. And I know that triathlon training is another type of grind, but it, um, it was just mine. It was only mine. And so I was able to, when it was time to go for a run or a, a bike or whatever, this was my time for myself. Or like I mentioned, you know, to be with a, a friend sometimes. So um, I think emotionally I was, it was easy for me to imagine myself finishing the half Ironman because I, I, I wanted to be doing something other than just going to work and taking care of kids and picking kids up and dropping them off and cooking dinner and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it never felt like a stretch. It really didn't. Well, that's good. I'm glad. I just always wanted to get where, you know, get to the why, where were you at mentally? Where were you at emotionally? Because I think that drives to our performance. It, it drives how we do what we're doing and, you know, there's all little things. So I'm glad that things went well for you. But what I hear you say a lot in what you're talking about is spending time with your girlfriends and hanging out with your friends and racing with your friends, things of that nature. And so I want to kind of segue into Fund Her Try, where your goal with Fund Her Try is to make sure that more women are on every starting line. That's pretty powerful considering women are considered a minority in sport. And so the fact that you see this and want to get more women on the starting line, where, why, how did this idea come about? Um, so it came about um, in, it was like around Christmas time of um, 2018. I, or just before Christmas, actually, um, well, earlier that year, I had 
I had done um, a race called Mighty Moo Hair, which is in El Paso, Texas. Yes. And you didn't tell me that. You were um, back. You're okay. I'm, let me let you finish. But I got you there. I see. I see you now. Oh, um, okay. So I had been like, I mean, at this point, I had been doing triathlon for you know for several years, and I had a group of girls, a, gr a group of girlfriends that I was living in New Mexico at the time, and I was training with some some training and, and doing races with a couple girlfriends, and my boss actually um, started seeing this lovely woman and I, I got to meet her and we kind of were instantly friends. And so I invited her to do Mighty Moo Hair with me. And she had no, she, it was a similar to me situation. She had no idea what she was saying yes to, but she said yes without hesitation. Mm -hmm. And, um, she, absolutely she she did amazing she she crushed it she we had a lot of fun training it was it was so great we had a great experience but months later i came to find out that she was really really struggling during that time when i invited her to do the race unbeknownst to me i did not know this i didn't know her very well when i invited her and um then as we got to know each other better i found out that um she was really struggling and so Mighty Moo Hair was like the training for the event and the event itself mm -hmm. was life-changing for her. And that was the catalyst for, um, for all the things, because that was the hundredth time I had heard a, a woman tell me that doing triathlon had changed her. And so I was like, but even though that was, even though I heard that so many times, I would go to a big race like an Ironman. You know, my new hair, for those that don't know, is an all-women's race. But each time I would go to to an Ironman, you know, it was a sea of typically Ironman put, you know, girls get pink swim caps. And so it was a sea of green always. And there were so few pink. And like uh that bothered me because I kept thinking, I this this sport has made me, made me so different than I was before it and, and has changed my life in all these wonderful ways has given me this thing to call my own. And, and, you know, as a, an outlet for stress and, uh, a, a, a way for me to, to get strong and be healthy and all these things, it's done all these things for me and all the women I talk to say the same thing. And so why aren't there more women out here? And so that was the, um, you know, always, always wondering why there weren't more women. And then after talking to Danny and finding out what her uh, experience had been, that it had just completely, it had helped her bust out of a, a hole that she was in. I was like, I have to figure out a way to um, help bring more women to this, to, to get them to the start line. And my community at the time was mostly um, my, my, my husband is retired from the Air Force, so we're a military family. And at the time, he was active duty. And so the majority of my community was a lot of military spouses. And for those that don't know, a lot of military spouses, myself included at the time, like, um, you know, sometimes we go to a place where our, our spouse is stationed and we can get a we can get a job. We can we can be doing our career. And then other times we go to a place and we can't. And so um, my income was 
you know, occasionally we would be stationed somewhere and I would have no income. I would stay home with the kids because I wasn't able to, to get a job at that place or whatever, because, you know, you move so frequently. And when you, when your income is not fully steady, sometimes it's really hard to say, oh yeah, no problem. I'll spend $150 on a race, you know, something that I've never even done before. You know, when, when I was inviting women to do races with me, I sometimes felt bad because I was inviting them to do the race, but the race was so expensive and getting into the sport was so expensive. It was like this sort of, um, uh, conflict. I was conflicted because I wanted them to experience triathlon. I wanted them to do it, but it's such an expensive thing to get involved in. And so I, I decided that, um, I, I was able to see through some research that there's some pretty clear barriers to entry into the sport, but the, um, I always say this when people ask me, I, the number one barrier to entry is time. And I always make the joke that like, I looked into getting more time and creating it, but that was a, a dead end. So, <laughs> so money was kind of the next logical thing. It's like, it's so expensive. And so, um, I thought, well, I guess probably what I could do is I could raise money and pay for women to do their first race. So essentially do something that was, that was simple and straightforward, but helped break down the financial barrier. And that's, that's how we got to where we are right now. I, I wanted it to be a nonprofit because I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to do it as a job or a way of income. I wanted it to be, um, you know, just something that I could do in my spare time essentially. And I wanted for people that were donating to be taken care of. And so the fact that when you're, when you're a, a, legitimate nonprofit, then the donations are tax deductible. And so that was the way of taking care of the people that were donating. And so I gathered up a group of my, a group of my friends and asked them to be on the board and they graciously said yes. And they've been with me ever since. And, um, we started in, so on Christmas Eve of 2018, I built the fund her try website and my husband was so annoyed because I wouldn't, <laughs> once I start something, I typically cannot stop. And so, um, yeah, he was like, is this, do we have, we have to be doing this like right now? Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I did it. I, I built the website on Christmas Eve and I launched right after the first of the year and, um, basically just started begging for money at that point, you know, you know, I really appreciate your candor in saying how this sport is expensive and that is a barrier to injury, but peace, but yeah, I about it in like time is a barrier, but it is. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think committing the time, I think we have the time, mm. but committing the time and taking what we feel like is maybe taking the time away from something else is the piece that's, that's tough. I think. I agree. I, I never thought about it like that, but I wholeheartedly agree. And um, I appreciate you wanting to just say, hey, let's, let's do it. I'm going to raise the money and we're going to give back. I think that is one of the best ways to make an impact in a person's life. Because I think anybody in sport would never turn down an entry into a race. And if they do, they're just special. 
and I need to find out what their secret is. But that is such a great way to make impact and eliminate the cost or perhaps the excuse of not being able to do a race because they can't afford it. Wow. My feels a little bit. Did you ain't tell me that Mighty Moo Hair was your first race? And we, we've been talking about them. We have literally been talking about them because they're a part of something that we're doing. And you didn't even mention that. <laughs> well, not my first. It wasn't my first. It was it was Danny's first, but it was a race that I did while I was stationed in while we were stationed in New Mexico. Yeah. yeah. We're big fans of Mighty Moo Hair. <laughs> Okay, maybe I misheard you. I mean, shout out to Miss Gabriella Gallegos. Yeah, I think I said it right. Yeah, she is an amazing race director who um, has an organization called Race El Paso. And Mighty Mujer is her female only race. And she um, has built that particular operation from ground zero. And so for that to be one of the races that you've done with your friends, have done with one of your friends, you know, that just makes it even more special. So tell me since 2000 and technically 19, because 2018, you, you know, started the website, but you launched in 2019. How many women have you been able to help? So we have paid for 152 women to do their first triathlon. Um, And we have uh, we also, I don't include in that number, maybe I should, but our, our late in our first year of, of um, operation, we were able to give a, a pretty big chunk of money to um, a youth triathlon group in New York. Um, and so we, we have been able to donate money and, and help with um, some other smaller youth organizations here and there. But officially, we have paid for 152 women to do their first triathlon. Um, and then in our mentorship program, we've had over 200 people uh, participate in that, which is that is basically just, you know, came about because it was like paying for race registration was a way to help women get into triathlon. But then how do we support them and keep keep them coming back. And then, um, so myself and, and Ann Torres, uh, created the mentor program so that we could support women once they started doing triathlon with, you know, all those questions and, and things like that. So we've helped a lot of women in that, um, space as well. You've helped on average 30 women a year. And then over 50 a year, just being support for them. I love that. And I, more people need to know, well, that's why you're here. I get it. I I know. (laughs) That's why you're here because more people need to know about this. So they don't feel like they have to do this alone. You, I hear the Michael Jackson song. You are not alone. I won't try to sing it because my voice is all scratchy right now from all this pollen. Even though I'm wrapped up in, what is this? I have on my little puffy jacket and my scarf because I'm cold, but then pollen's out because we can't figure out what what it's going to be. Is it going to be winter? Is it going to be spring? Is it going to be sprinter? What? They got to figure out the weather. (laughs) Sprinter. I like that. Sprinter. Because listen, 
the way I'm feeling, I mean, I want the whole, almost, I wouldn't say a burka, but my gosh, like a puffy coat with a scarf, got my heater on right here. It's, oh, it's too much in April. It's too much in April. <laughs> Bringing it back. But no, it's like you take the guesswork out of it. Hey, we're here. We're women. We're giving you advice as a woman because we do need that. We need that special attention. We need that opportunity to ask questions. Uh, I had one guest on and uh, uh, she didn't know the importance of chamois cream. Mm, mm. That is important. That is, that, that's, that's probably the first topic of conversation. Make sure you put that on um, yeah. or not riding your bike with panties or with yes, underwear. I was going to say, that's the, num- that is the number one question that I feel like I get asked and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm so glad that you asked that because yeah, yeah that's, that's it. That's important information. And and these are things that people need to know. And sometimes are so afraid to ask. And so I think the program is called rise and try. So rise and try is a mentoring program for women. So be sure to go to fundhertry.org. So fundhertry.org to get information about how you can apply. Cause see, that's the first order of business. We want you to apply so that you can get your race uh, fees reimbursed and then get set up with a mentor. So this is not only just, we are giving you some money to go try, but we want to get you there. We want to coach you. We want to guide you. We want to be your friend along the way. Wow. That's pretty incredible. I wish that was around. I mean, yeah, I mean, I wish that was around when I started triathlon because that would have helped to round the the experience out even more to ask some of the questions that even I was afraid to ask, believe it or not. I, I can be a little shy um, at times. I don't like the way you're laughing. You're, that doesn't make me feel. I mean, I, I, I sort of believe you. <laughs> but I really am. I have a, I get very shy about questions that, you know, you know, I mean, when you feel like the question is dumb, but you know, you need to ask and you're just like, oh, I don't want to ask. I don't want them to, to think I'm dumb, but I just really want to know. I, I get so shy. I, I really do. Well, and I think the mentor, like a lot of times we find group settings, you know, we can find, maybe mm. we go to a group ride at our local bike shop, or we're able to find group settings, but having a mentor is, you know, gives you, you're, you're able to establish a relationship and then, um, be able to then ask, feel comfortable enough to ask anything. Um, which so rise and try. So when a first timer applies for sponsorship, um, you know, we do that 365 days a year. We, we do sponsorship all year long rise and try though we do in rounds. And so we actually right now, so this is such great timing, you know, as everything has been with us, I feel like things have happened on the right timeline, but mm-hmm. rise and try applications are open right now. So if someone is interested in being a mentor or a mentee, they can go to the funder try website and they can apply, um, for the current round, which is round five. Um, and basically for mentees, you don't have to be a first-time triathlete. We just ask that you have less than three years of triathlon experience. So mm. we do 
you know, we pay for the race if you're a first timer, but the mentorship program does not require that you be a first timer. As long as you have less than three years of experience, you can apply to be a mentee. And then we pair you with a mentor that has more than three years of experience in triathlon. And some of our mentors are, gosh, I, we have mentors that have been with us for every single round. Like they've had, they've loved it so much that they've applied over and over again and they've been doing it basically every time. So, um, there are just like me, there are so many women in our sport that want to find a way to give back. And so when they hear about rise and try, that has been a way for women to feel like they can give back and, and, you know, help someone, even though, um, you know, maybe they don't have an, another way, another way to do so. So, um, uh, applications for mentors and mentees are both open right now. So definitely check that out. Um, if you're a veteran or if you're beginner. Dopeness all around. And to get that information again, be sure to go to fundhertry.org. That's F-U-N-D-H-E-R-T-R-I.O-R-G. Man. What else should we know about this mentor, not mentor program? I want to ask more about Fund Her Tribe because I think that's the catalyst that will get more women to every starting line like you, your tagline is, which I love. But give us a story if you can think, you know, not given their names, but how it's made impact uh, both on your side, like giving, and then perhaps on a, recipient side, if you could share like the two ways that it's maybe been impactful. For sure. Um, there are so many. So every application, when someone applies for sponsorship, um, we call it sponsorship. Some people say scholarship. E- either way, it's the same thing. It's basically just if you're going to be doing your first triathlon, um, you go to the Fund Her Tribe website, you fill out the application for sponsorship. It is not need-based. So as long as money is available, the answer is yes. What? And so we don't, yeah, so we don't do any type of application like financial need. Whoa, that's major. So as they would say, flag on the play, wait, hold up. It doesn't matter how much money you make or how little you make. This is a- available to anyone. That's correct. So, well, with the stipulation that if you are a woman or identify as a woman, and if you are a first timer, and then we have some, we have some other rules. So basically we, we only pay for for Olympic distance and shorter. Mm -hmm. So if someone's first triathlon is a half Ironman, like mine was, we, we don't pay for a half Ironman registration. We, um, or, a you know, a half distance, if we, if we want to say half distance or full distance, we don't pay for those. We want for, basically we want to keep money going back into local races. And so the two things that we don't do are we don't ask for discounted race entries and it doesn't mean that we wouldn't accept them. So if a race were to offer us a discounted entry, we would accept it. But we do not ask races for discount entries because I know from experience that a discounted entry is not sustainable because in order for triathlon, in order for race directors to keep putting on local races, that's expensive to do as well. Absolutely. And so, yeah, so we don't we don't ask for discounted entries. Um, we have the athlete pay for the race. 
And then they send in their, their race registration and we reimburse that cost to them. And so essentially if, if no matter what the race is still getting the money. So that's important to us to keep um, money going back into, into local races. Um, the other thing we don't do is we don't pay um, more than $150. So that's our cap. So um, again, and if you're going to be doing your first triathlon, even if, you know, we, we want you to register for the race. So register for the race and then you apply for sponsorship. We will reimburse the money up to $150. Um, and we pay back, back to the athlete. And then um, we don't ask for anything in return. And so sometimes athletes will ask, you know, do you want us to send a, a finish line photo or a, you know, a post-race recap or anything like that? And the answer is, we would love that, but we don't require it. Um, we don't ask for anything in return. The only thing that I ever ask from anyone is that they invite someone else to triathlon. So if you're a first timer and you receive sponsorship from us, our only ask of you is that you, you know, if you have the opportunity to invite someone to do their first triathlon, we want you to do it. And, and hopefully, you know, we can help them as well. Um, but yeah, that's the, that's the goal. And the average cost is, a, is usually between a hundred and $150. So, um, and that's even for a sprint distance for a lot of, uh, most first timers are doing a sprint distance. Some do Olympic, but the majority do sprint distance and it's, it's over a hundred dollars just for the registration fee. Yes, it is. And thank goodness for great organizations like Fund Her Try that is willing to make a difference and help give you a sponsorship to help cover those costs. Because that, you know, in the grand scheme of things of swimming, getting your, you know, getting a swim cap, bathing suit, you know, wetsuit, uh, bike, helmet, shoes, kit, a kit. Oh, yeah. I'm having a whole moment about kits because they are, ah, because you got to look good, right? You got to feel good. And so your kit matters and you get your kit. That's a cost, you know, before you even get to the run. And that's why running is the more accessible sport. But thanks to you and your organization, you're breaking down that barrier. And we really do want to make sure that this is accessible to all. And so, yes, we're doing women. Funner tries doing women only at the moment. And uh, it's a good thing because we want to see more women on every starting line. Wow. Thank you so much, Lynn, for coming and hanging out with us. It's always, uh, you know, a joy to hear, um, to hear people's stories because we all have a unique story. Like, I don't think I'll forget you watching other people drink so you figured you should drink and then you just drink a lot of Gatorade like what Gatorade but you were drinking Gatorade mind is blown but you know we all have that story and that's why it's so important for us to share and so you what we do here we definitely got to get to some rapid fire questions because why not what we do (laughs) it's how we, we we you know ended on a high note and on a fun note uh, so I'm just going to ask you some random questions because you've lived pretty much all over the world. You, uh, you have to pick up and build community so often. So I'm going to try to do a rapid fire that's tailored to your lifestyle off the cuff. So 
fingers crossed, you don't go off the rails. Okay. Okay. <laughs> where, where is the, uh, see, already starting. Can't even get it out. <laughs> okay. Where has been your favorite place to live? Uh, it's here. I, I love, I love Kona. Um, we are, we've only, we've lived here for just over two years and um, I, I hate the cold. <laughs> it's me. So, okay. yep. I don't like the cold. And I grew up in a place where we had winter and um, I didn't have a garage. So we had to like scrape our windshield. And so, yeah, I don't, I'm not, I'm not for that. So Kona hands down. Love it. So where's your favorite place to bike? Oh my goodness. Okay. That's a tough one, but I'm going to say, um, oh man, it, I, that's gotta be Colorado. We, we lived on, in Colorado for a short time and biking there was amazing. Mm. Where has been your favorite place to race? Oh, um, my absolute favorite race, uh, you know, I, I think while I was in New Mexico, that was probably my favorite place while we were stationed there because Mighty Mujer, Race El Paso puts on a few different races and then, um, traveling to other races from there was so easy. Um, my favorite race that I've ever done is uh, Super Frog 70.3, but I traveled there while we were in New Mexico. So I would say New Mexico is my favorite place to, to jump off from. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite chamois cream? Um, I like, um, oh, the, the name is escaping me at this moment. Um, Zelios. Really? Yeah, I like their um I forget what what they call it. Betwixt maybe. I I can't remember what they they call it, but I like the Zelios cream. We talked about kits. So what's your favorite kit to wear? Uh so the local bike shop here in town, Bike Works Kona, um I love wearing their kit because I actually came here to visit many years ago and I bought a Bike Works kit and I raced in it in a bunch of different places. And so, uh, that's my favorite. So shout out for our, our local bike shop. Love it. Hmm. What's your favorite thing to give away? Um, you know, this is going to sound super cheesy, but I just feel like it's a good attitude because I think, um, I think the world is hard sometimes. And so, you know, on a daily basis, it's, it's, um, easy to be mad <laughs> or, or, you know, um, quick to get upset about things that happen. Unfortunately, um, you know, we all, everyone's dealing with something. Right. And so I think my favorite thing to give is just to, to give a little, a, a good attitude of a positive, grateful heart, I think is, um, goes a long way. And I, I think that sounds maybe pretty cheesy, but I think that's it. Like, I, I just love being able to feel like I'm hopefully making someone's day better, you know, even if it's the person at the grocery, like just not being in a bad mood for them, you know, no, that's not, that's your answer. 
I was really hoping you would say, I love giving away race sponsorships. <laughs> that's what I was well, that's for. obvious, right? Well, that was good too. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know she's going to say this because I know she's going to get it. I'm like, okay, but that's all good. That's all good. And um, you mentioned you used, to, you used to listen to music. So I can't have you come off without asking you what's your favorite music artist? Oh my gosh. I don't know that I even have a favorite. I absolutely love like all genres of music. I listen to like different stuff all the time. Um, favorite artist. Oh my goodness. This is such a hard one. Um, right now, I absolutely love Macklemore. That's like okay. my go-to jams right now are Macklemore. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Macklemore song? Let's see I if like we're on the Chant. same wave. Okay. Chant is a good one right now. Um, um, and then, you know, whatever else comes up on my Spotify playlist after chant plays, then I, then I, <laughs> I never it. look at the names, but yeah, I love, them I all. love Mac. Yeah. Macklemore is, he's good, good artist. Um, and do you pee on the bike or get off and take a proper pee break? I've never been able to pee on the bike. I've always tried, but I cannot do it. What? Yeah. Can't do it. It's okay. There's still time for you to try. <laughs> There's still time I for you mean, to enjoy the peel the bike club. This is what keeps us coming back, right? There's always room for improvement. So we'll work on that. Always. I love it. I love it. Lynn, thank you so much for your time. Thank you uh, for being here and sharing. And just to kind of um, bring the announcement full circle, I kept my lips sealed the entire time. And I'm really excited that Try Beginner's Luck will be partnering with uh, Fund Her Try to do good in the world and to continue to break down barriers of entry. And I'm really excited that we have some really cool things coming up. Um, and it's it's just really an amazing feeling because I wanted to do this in December. I wanted to give away some race entries and things didn't work out because I was just going to, you know, do it myself. Um, but sometimes you just have to be patient and the desires of your heart will, will come to fruition. And I'm learning that, um, when you have a desire to give, um, people will track you down to help you do good. Things will, miracles will happen to track you down. Right. And I think with the combination of some things, in the full circle moment of me wanting you to be on the podcast in the onset, things just didn't work out because timing and life, right? Like you're an aeronautical engineer, like you don't have time for me. What? No, but just life, we, we have life, but the full circle moment is that we, we came back around and not only are we able to do the interview, but now we're able to partner together to expand fund her try to perhaps get more people to give. So people give so that we can give away, so that we can yes, give absolutely. away more opportunities for people to try. I, uh, being a what 1099 contract person for over 10 years, understand only being able to do one race and even that one race was a lot. And so I think about if I would have had that experience. And so we wanna be able to give the gift of try to you. So be on the lookout for some opportunities. 
Um, we do have a plan in place that we already have some strategic uh, placements of where we will give first, but we will uh, do something special to give some people an opportunity who may not be at these strategic opportunities, an opportunity to try. Because at the end of the day, whenever you try, you truly always win. And we want to see more women on every start line. And with that, I am Ashonda Shines and we are out. Peace, more to come. Stay tuned. Bye. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. We need your help so we can continue to try at TBL. So for more information on where you can find and subscribe to this podcast, visit www.trybeginnersluck.com. And don't forget, whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win.